Principal Matters Podcast, episode 340. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your school leadership. This week, we're going to talk about prioritizing your work with my special guest, Dr. Scott Beck. Dr. Scott Beck is an educator with 24 years of experience as a teacher, coach, assistant principal, head high school principal, central office administrator, and adjunct professor at the University of Oklahoma. He became a proud national board certified social studies teacher in 2008 and was selected as the 2019 Oklahoma Secondary Principal of the Year. Scott currently serves in the capacity of employment employee engagement officer for the Department of Commerce in the Chickasaw Nation and continues to teach principal prep courses for aspiring leaders as an adjunct faculty member at the University of Oklahoma. Dr. Scott Beck, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. I always like to ask my guests if they can please fill in the gaps in that intro and tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you. Well, I listen, Will, it's a uh, man, it's a real pleasure just to get to visit with you. Uh, and and I'm going to throw it back on you real quick to say, you know, it's um, you, you've had really an impact on me uh, over the years that we've we've had the opportunity to know each other. So I'm getting to see your servant's heart and just the work that you do. And so it is it really is really is cool. Just the opportunity to to visit here for a few minutes. Um, I don't know. I you know, I think you, I think you got it. Other things. uh I, I still feel like though I'm not currently in the seat, I still feel like most days I'm like a high school principal at heart, Will. So I don't know that that would be any be surprising. My daughter's a ninth grader now. And so I'm getting to go back and see through the eyes now as a parent. So yesterday I was at the school, um, getting to be in that same school that I got to serve in as principal for so many years. And uh, I, Will, man, it, talk about getting on a bike. Like it was hard to not just jump in and and just start running things. So I think I'm def definitely... Uh, high school principal at heart and uh, everything else that look, I, I think you got it. I think that made me sound way better than I am. So, well, I, sometimes I wonder if like, this is a really bad comparison, but you know, when I go to veterans day parades, all these guys put on their uniforms from the old days and they walk up, you know, they march down the street, even if they're retired, you, you know, sometimes I think principals, it doesn't matter how long you've been out of the seat. Once you have marched in that role, it's really hard to not still feel like there's a part of you that's always there. And for the good and the bad, I think the principalship shapes you um, in a lot of ways. It certainly shaped me, who I am as a person, um, but it also shaped you through both challenging experiences and amazing experiences too. And I will tell Principal Matters listeners that Scott Beck is not just somebody that I've admired because of his work in education as a principal, but also as a friend. I've had the privilege of walking his school. I've had the privilege of learning from him in, in workshops and conferences. And we've had the privilege of be, being friends and colleagues for so long. And so often when Scott and I are speaking, it's on the phone while he's traveling or while I'm traveling. And I finally said, Scott, look, I want to introduce you to the Principal Matters audience and for several reasons. One, because of the work that you've done in school leadership, and two, because of the work you're still doing in leadership, even in the work that you do now. So let me just set the stage. 
Um, before we jump into the work you're doing now, which I think is so fascinating, and we've had a lot of episodes recently on principal matters about transitions in education. But before we go there, as a former principal of the year, I'm just curious, what were some of the experiences that you were most proud of from your work with students and teachers? You know, I, so first of all, that I, I remember the day that I was named the head principal at Norman High School. It was summer of 2011. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was surreal, uh, such an honor, uh, primarily because that was a school that that utterly transformed the way I thought about teaching and learning. Uh, the culture of the school was was one that the teachers were were just unbelievable. Well, I mean, they were they were professionals. The standard uh, of excellence was just so high. It changed everything. It changed everything about when, when I arrived there in 04 as a, a social studies teacher. And it changed everything about the way I thought about teaching and learning. And it just opened up a whole new world of, of passion for me in that regard. And so then, you know, when when my mentor, uh, Dr. Lynn Chesley, when I when she retired and I and I had the the privilege of, of being named principal, um, you know, there was very much a feeling of how do we um, the what was special uh, about that, about the culture of that school, the teaching culture of that school. How did we, how do we preserve that? How do we continue that legacy on and then find ways to um, even, even stand on those shoulders and, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, drive it, drive it forward um, from there. And so some of my great, I think my great memories and experiences were, were the people, uh, the moments, um, I could, I could go down a laundry list of, of, of teachers and, and, um, getting to watch teachers do what they do. Um, Yale St. John was a, an English teacher that we had at Norman High School and was just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's moving to even think about her. And I, and I had had the honor of being in her class the last hour of her last year of teaching. And these are seniors, you know, these are your calloused seniors, you know, it's senior English, the last day of school, like you can imagine where where people's mentality is most days uh, in, in that situation, most kids and the room you could have uh, you could have heard a pin drop uh, the respect, uh, the love for her, because that's exactly what she gave to the kids. Um, you know, the, the, just the, the weight of that moment, the generations of kids that had gone through that classroom and so being there in that moment. Uh, with her, those are the kind of memories. I will. You'll appreciate this as a high school principal. I I would always graduation was far and away my favorite moment of the year, uh, and and I I can remember I'd sit up on the stage. We do this. Ours was always at the Lloyd Noble Center. It's where the University of Oklahoma plays basketball. So uh, I'm a big basketball fan, huge Sooner fan. So that was always especially cool. But I would look out in the audience and I would try to remember something about as many kids as I could. And so, you know, we'd have 450 to 500 graduates. So that, you know, that, that, that's a lot. Um, but I can, you know, I can distinctly remember, man, I remember when he came in at the eighth grade visit and I can remember when she made that basket. And I can remember when they did the music man, when they were sophomores and man, he just crushed that role. And I remember when she lost her father. And I remember, boy, that was a rocky semester when, 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 when he was a sophomore or, and, and those moments of the kids. And I think getting the, the, uh, I'll use that word a lot, but I think the honor of getting to have a seat where you get to ride alongside people at that moment, that formative moment in their life, that season of their life, I think was, um, for me, something that come on, Will, like that doesn't, 
it doesn't exist out there in the real world. I mean, like that was a gift of the principalship that was just a beautiful one. Yeah. Still pays me back every day. <clears throat> I love those memories, Scott. And I love that they're so student-centered. I want to ask you to also share a little bit about the partnership that because where Norman is located by the University of Oklahoma, the partnership that you guys had in helping train your teachers in Socratic inquiry method, because that was unique. I, I think of all the schools I visited, you guys had such a unique relationship with the way that your teachers were preparing and how it translated into student instruction. Yeah. So we had, uh, we were fortunate enough um, again, because of the quality of teachers that we had, the vision of the school district, the proximity of the university, there were lots of elements and pieces that came together to probably gave us, um, oh, probably gave us a little latitude to get to go and do some really cool stuff, right? So it's kind of this rich, fertile soil. Um, so uh, Dr. Nancy Snow, who's now actually, she's at the University of Kansas now, um, just a top tier philosopher. She came to OU in about 2015, if, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and to, to head up this crazy outfit called the Institute for the Study of Human Flourishing. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I remember before she even got, she came from Marquette, before she even arrived, like I said, uh, and there were some some principal buddies of mine um, who who kind of made me aware of this thing. So I, I emailed Nancy before she ever even got to Norman. And I said, uh, hey, listen, I, I'm not sure exactly what you do, but we're in. So, so let's talk when you get here. Um, and, uh, you know, they were instrumental in the cultivation of the virtues, cultivation of the intellectual virtues uh, among our students, uh, with our teachers, providing, um, you know, resources and professional development. They actually funded uh, the development of, a, or, or the, uh, we, we curated a, a virtue resource library in our library there at Norman High. Uh, with resources for parents and for students and teachers. And uh, so just some some really, uh, really, really fun work. Uh, I th we get to send teachers to conferences all over the country. Uh, the Institute supported that. Um, so it was a huge, uh, you know, it spoke to the heart of our heart of our, our our people as we, you know, our push was let's let's think about learning, but but let's um, Obviously, let's think of that that whole person um, that we're developing. What kind of experiences we want, and and so it was it was definitely definitely a cool time. Well, I loved hearing you talk about it, and it was one of the things that intrigued me in your leadership, Scott. And and one of the things that intrigued me was how you every community has its own learning culture, and I just thought it was so um, interesting how you were able to connect the opportunities available in a university community to the Institute for the Study of Human Flourishing and translate that relationship into the training that your teachers did, but also how it translated into student learning. Because you walked me through your building one day where I got to sit in classrooms and hear teachers ask probing questions to kids, watching students facilitate the conversations and discussions happening in learning. And I know that for you, uh, because you you because the culture at Norman High School, when I walked through that with you, was a place of consistent inquiry and curiosity and 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 just such interesting students who um who were not afraid to ask hard questions and 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 I don't think it was um coincidental Scott I think it was something that was an embedded part of the culture as a whole that both teacher that the leader of that school modeled that kind of inquiry and the teachers in your school modeled that kind of inquiry and the students did as well. So I, I'm not saying that because um, I don't think my one day walking through your building with you was 
was just unique to the moment I was there. I think this was a culture that you guys cultivated over years of, of practice. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, again, I, I think it goes back to what I said kind of, you know, at, at the very beginning, Will, uh, that was the, it's the culture of the teachers. And, and it was very much a feel um, where, you know, you, you hire great teachers, um, always with the understanding that people are in different places, different people are going to need different supports. I mean, let's just go ahead and just put that out there. Okay, so now that we've kind of tended to that, let's move forward and say, but at the end of the day, we were going to allow people to do their work. We were going to allow people to be passionate. Um, we were going to allow people to engage those parts of the work that were the reasons that they got into it. We were going to trust them. Uh, we were going to give them the the latitude to be curious, the, the latitude to take ownership of what they were doing in their classroom and and really be teachers, right? So that was the culture that we that we sought. That's what we wanted. It's a very simple concept, Will, but I I believe in it fully. Um, I, I think I, 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 somebody who's not inspired can't inspire others, right? So somebody who's not passionate can't drive passion in others, right? So a teacher who's not curious is not going to drive curiosity in students. Like if that can happen, and if there's an example out there, I, you know, I don't mean this in jest, I would generally love to see it. So if there's the ability to kind of prove that wrong, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing what that looks like. But so I, always operating from if our people are dialed in, if they're engaged, if they're curious, if our teachers are fired up, if they're passionate, if they believe in what they're doing and they have a sense of purpose, that's they're they're going to take that to the kids. Um, I don't know that it's a guarantee that they will, but I can guarantee if they don't have those things, they won't. So that that kind of, that well, I think that may be more than anything, probably undergird, undergirds what, what it was we were at least, you know, chasing down. Well, and it's also reflective of, I believe, Scott, your own passions and your own personality and your own character, which is which is one of the reasons that I um, that I value our friendship so much because you are one of the most curious people that I know, and you're always looking for that next thing that sparks your own curiosity and learning and how you can apply that in the work that you're doing, which is what led you from teaching to counseling to school leadership to um, to be an executive director where you were leading leaders and then into the work that you're doing now. So I, I want to. I want to park here for just a moment. And I, I want to ask you um, about your transitions. You know, you, I, we've done a series of, of episodes on principal matters about transitions in education. And I've had a lot of feedback from listeners because it seems like in our work, people are, you know, you get to a point where you're kind of ready for that next thing, but you always don't know what that next thing is going to be. So I'm curious in your, in your journey, this is Scott's journey is going to be different than others, but what ideas have you considered and thought through when you're transitioning positions in leadership. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I did I have I have not sought out to to change positions. That hasn't uh, you know, firstly that that's not something that I've done. I haven't thought. I've never put a. I'm not a believer in necessarily putting you know time on things. Oh, and this year I want to do this, and at that time I want to do that. Um, I am definitely a believer in you know you kind of you kind of. You do the best where you can, you learn, but at the same time, and we'll be really clear on this for me, it's it's like I, you know, try to have a vision of the kinds of things that I want to be doing, um, you know, down the road at some point. So uh, I, I think, you know, you look at a position. I also believe that, you know, that sometimes you have to know the, the situation and you have to look at it from the perspective of when am, when am, am I still growing? Um, do I, do I feel like I'm still growing in this role or, 
Um, do I feel like my energy to do what this role requires is exactly what's needed by, by you know, at this time by in this organization? Um, so the principalship, for example, like probably gives us a really good example there. Um, boy, I loved it. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever do anything that I'll be more passionate about. Um, and so that's not why I why I moved and transitioned out of the principalship. But I think it's an example of like, you know, I think you do need to know there was a time when when, when you say, OK, it's definitely time for somebody else to take this on. Um, I remember the energy and the passion that I had the day that I took that position. And and uh, every kid, every kid, right, desires to have, deserves to have teachers and 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 administration who wake up in that morning just fired up to go do that specific role. Um, so when 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 I trans, you know, when I transitioned into principal, when I transitioned into central office, there were um, kind of dreams and things that I wanted to accomplish, challenges that I wanted to embrace, that I felt like those transitions gave me the opportunity to go and do uh, a little more. Um, so, you know, so, so, so for me, um, you know, well, I think that's, that's kind of what, what, what guides me. It's knowing yourself. I think you do have to know yourself. I think if you're in touch with yourself, if you have a vision for where it is you want to go, um, that's really rooted in, uh, knowing who you are, I think, you know, those opportunities then come and you're able to discern, you know, what feels right at the right time. Um, but I've, I've I've tried to be thoughtful um, that when I make a move, I'm I'm it's a move for growth. It's a move because it gives the opportunity to to learn new things. Um, you know, to, to your point earlier, you know, when when there's something that I'm curious about or I want to go and explore or an area for myself that I feel like um is maybe an area I haven't had the opportunity to put a lot of work in. And and I want to go grow and kind of round that out, you know. Support for Principal Matters comes from Summer Pops Math Workbooks. For my listeners serving grades two through seven, here's a message from our friend Pete over at Summer Pops Math Workbooks. Demand is high this year. And if you want to order Summer Pops for your students, you need to place your order soon. If you have not contacted Summer Pops, you should do it this week. Principal Matters listeners can work with Pete directly. His email is pete at betterlearningeducation.com or visit their website, summerpopsworkbooks.com to learn more. Summer Pops are designed for your students to practice math over the summer. Engaging, easy to use, and content rich. I've had the privilege to review these workbooks and they are excellent resources. Thank you to Pete for being a guest on episode 336 and sharing the story of how Summer Pops were designed specifically for helping students like yours retain and grow their math skills over the summer. Summer is almost here, so visit summerpopsworkbooks.com today. Support for Principal Matters comes from Peer Driven PD. Did you know that 86% of educators agree that we need more full-time classroom teachers leading professional development? Of course, there's one big problem. Teachers are often too busy teaching their students to lead PD. Well, Peer Driven PD finds some of the best teachers in the country, films them sharing their tips and techniques that really work in real classrooms, and they use this content in online courses that your teachers can access from anywhere at any time. Visit PeerDrivenPD.com to check it out. 
I've gotten to know Mike, the founder of Peer Driven PD. He's actually been on the podcast. Check out episode 328. I've had access to his content and it's the real deal. So if you want your teachers to love their PD and to learn strategies that are tested and proven by their peers in real classrooms, visit Peer Driven PD to request a quote today. Be sure to let them know that Principal Matters sent you and Mike will include a package of complimentary resources specifically for admins. That's peerdrivenpd.com. Well, I want to share with Principal Matters listeners some of the work that you're doing now, Scott, and and how you've used those lessons in as an educator and a principal, even in the work that you're doing in the new industry that you're in. But I, I've got to just summarize a couple of things that you said that I think are so great. Am I still growing? Do I have the energy for the time and, and for this time and for this organization? Do I know myself? Do I know my vision? And how is my work connecting to those values? Um, I think those are just such important reminders for all of us, because like you said earlier, we can't inspire others unless we're working from a place of inspiration. And so I think that's, um, it's going to look different for everyone. For some people, that means serving in the same position for 25 years and still finding that inspiration and that motivation to do it every day. For other people, that means um, consistent transitions because the curiosity leads you to that next thing. Anything you want to add to that before I ask you my next question? No, 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 no. I, I think that's fantastic. And I love what you said there at the end, Will, when you said, you know, for some folks, that means, you know, maybe you kind of stay in that one position. I I think for all of us, I think we have to be careful on the one hand, don't go chasing, you know, we're not just, we're not just, you know, chasing grass is greener, right? Like, I think it's really important. We're not doing it at the same time, you know, comfort. Um, oh, boy, the temptation of comfort, uh, where, if we're staying in a role again, and if we're really examining why we're doing what we're doing, I think we're able to keep that in check a little bit. But if I'm in a role because it's just comfortable, um, how passionate can I be? How inspired can I be? Um, can I really give the best of myself? So you, you know, we kind of talk about this, right? Like, so you don't, you don't, we, none of us, none of us get to just stay in a role because it's a comfortable role for us. If, if we're not, in that role, providing what that role really requires. So that's where you have to, you know, you have to do some self-examination. Either it's time to, it's it's kind of time to engage that and find ways to keep the flame lit for myself, or it is time to really consider if maybe a change is necessary. Yeah. Uh, because no matter what role you're in, especially if it's leadership, you have people's, you have you have people in your hands, right? Like this is a mm -hmm. That you're you're a steward of other of other people in their lives, and so they they deserve to have somebody whose primary motivation isn't comfort. And I don't mean that as um, like I have that figured out. Don't misunderstand me. But I but I think I think it is important to not um, never undersell yourself and and, and don't let comfort dictate um, every, every every piece of what you do. You're you're just reminding me of a, this. I'm going to go way back in time when I was a young AP. And I had stepped into a new building position <clears throat> and the previous administrator had been there for a very long time and had exited. So I don't want to name any names or places because this is not as a criticism of that other person. But I remember one of the first student conversations I had on my first week in that role. And I'm always curious about kids. You know, I, want to, I don't want to just talk about the situation at hand that needs to be managed disciplinary or whatever the, the crisis is they're facing, but I also want to know their story. And so I was just probing and asking questions. It, and, and this was probably a conversation about attendance. And I just remember the girl just stopped me and she was like, you're pretty new here, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I, I am. And she was like, 
I can tell because you're still curious. Like the, the guy who'd have been here a long time before, he never cared anything about my story. <laughs> and, and so I'm just telling that as an example, Scott, of like in my own walk and my own uh, career choices, I there's always a point where I have to ask myself, am I still showing up every day curious? Or is there, is there something else I need to be looking toward that will still spark that curiosity in me? And so I'm so glad you said that because comfort and stability, they're in, they can be very important things for yourself and for your family, but they can't be what defines the work that you do. If it is, I don't know, how, for me, it's, it, I can't let that define my work or, or I no longer stay curious. And so, um, so let me ask you this question. You've, you've, now you are the employee, the employee engagement officer for the Department of Commerce in the Chickasaw Nation. How in the world did that happen? You, you're working in a new industry. And so first of all, if you don't mind, tell us, tell us the story of how you made that transition. But then I'm, here's what I'm really curious about. What similarities or differences do you see in your leadership task and responsibilities now compared to the times that you were leading as a school leader? Yeah, yeah. So, so firstly, you know, the transition, it's it, like so many things. I mean, you know, this is what we've, we've kind of already spoken about where, you know, sometimes opportunities come about that you're just, you're, you're, you're not even, uh, you're not, you're not even thinking of. So a year ago right now, I, I, I would have told you, if you said that we were here having this conversation, I would have said, well, you've officially lost it. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I will, I'll be a, a school administrator forever um, as, as kind of my primary gig. Um, but, but an opportunity came about and what, what I found most compelling was really the chance to go and spend, um, increasing amounts of time in an area for me that is, a, a, of great passion, um, and great desire to, to spend time in. I like to think that it's an area of strength. I hope, you know, I hope that that, that, that is the case. Um, but it's certainly an area that I'm very passionate about. So when, when, you know, kind of looking at your day and you're saying, well, if I can go and grow in this area and I can put this kind of intensive um, energy and, and full force behind doing this piece of the work, that's, that's what really drew me. And specifically, um, that looks like, well, we're from leadership development, working with, with managers and leaders at, at all layers of organization, but supporting, serving them, supporting them finding ways I get to wake up every morning. Well, I get to wake up every single morning and I get to just eat, sleep, breathe, focus on, um, and work on finding ways for, for us to connect with our people, uh, in ways that add value to them, that engage them, um, that give them a great place to work, um, that, that help them feel supported and successful, uh, it is my belief that doing that work changes lives. Um, you and I both know uh, whether you are a a kindergarten teacher or whether you are somebody working in a hospital or whether you're the high school principal. Um, I think Pat Lencioni says this very well um, in his employee engagement work. You know, he talks about the importance of uh, number one, um, you know, anonymity. He talks about anonymity. He talks about irrelevance and he talks about immeasurement. And that's a word that he kind of made up. But but anonymity means people have to know, they, got, they have to be known and valued as people, right? Uh, to really feel engaged at, at, at work. They have to, uh, they got to know that their work matters, how it matters and to whom it matters. And then they have to be able to walk out at the end of the day and have a sense of like, like I was successful today. I was effective today. 
And this is so important because none of us go, you know, we, we go home to families, we go home to, um, you know, to wives and to husband and to kids and, and our communities. And what happens in that work space affects every aspect of our life. I mean, I, I would imagine this is resonating with educators because good grief, it's, it's the exact same principle, right? We don't just leave the school and then just shut it off. Um, and so I think when we can find ways to engage the people in our workplace in more healthy ways, uh, we, we really can move the needle on people's quality of life. And oh, by the way, you know, they just happen to be better at their job too when you do this. So I think it's kind of a win-win uh, in that regard. Well, for people outside the Oklahoma area, they may not be aware, especially I have listeners across the U.S., but also globally too. They not, may not be aware of the, of the important relationships that the tribal nations have with our communities and our schools um, in the state of Oklahoma. And so it, now that you are working for a, a tribal nation, but your primary responsibility is employment, engagement, um, working across industries in, for that, I, I'm just curious, and this is something you shared with me off the air that I wanted to bring to this conversation. Can you share a little bit about how prioritizing tasks in work have helped you in your work with others um, to stay focused on what matters? And, and I know you've used these principles in school leadership, but how are you using them now? Yeah. So, you know, thinking about, um, and this is very similar to the work of schools. Like in this, this is, you know, very similar. Um, and I think highly relevant. So we think about, you know, we've all been, um, enslaved by, you know, the tyranny of the urgent, uh, that that's been documented and talked about by, by many an author. Um, so how we prioritize what we're going to do and what we're going to use our time on is just, just really, really critical. Um, so this word, intentionality um, has been something that that I've just continued to, uh, that's almost become a mantra. Um, you know, it, it's okay that we're sitting there and we're watching the episode of Friends. There's nothing wrong with watching the episode of Friends. But when I watch Friends, I want to be in a zone where I am intentionally recharging. I am intentionally taking some, some downtime or I'm going for a walk. All of these things are critically important, right? These are these re-energizing times. Um, talking to my colleagues, having a conversation, you know, kind of the, the, the random walk into the office and we talk for 20 minutes about, you know, the baseball game or the movie that we saw, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. As a matter of fact, I think that they're essential, but when that's not what I should be doing in that moment, when it's not intentional, when it's habitual, when it's just something that is more a reaction than it is an intentional decision of that's how I'm going to use my time. I think that that's where we have a problem. And so, um, yeah, I shared with you something, Will, and that was, of course, straight out of, uh, you know, that, that's, that's straight out of a, a John Maxwell book, Developing the Leader Within You. Um, but when I know uh, that, the, you know, the difference between urgent and important work, and so often the important work is not urgent. Um, developing our teachers, now you'd say it's urgent, we don't have them, and I understand that point, but the, but there's nothing that you're going to do this afternoon in terms of the long-term, really um, sustainable development of, of a brand new teacher. You're, you can't do something today by three o'clock that's going to, you know, change it, so it's not, it's not a building on fire, so the nature of that is the important slides behind the urgent every time, right, so if I'm in a reactive state at all time, what I can count on is the latest email wins, the latest text message wins, the latest ding wins. And what doesn't win there is the important. 
Now, here's your catch, Will. The important stuff is often very long-term in nature, certainly much longer term than the urgent. Um, and it is very process-oriented work. So this is the kind of work, these important things that you have, these big audacious dreams and goals. Look, you've got to, you, you've, you've, you've got to get things on the calendar. We've got to schedule blocks of time. We've got to figure out how on a daily basis, uh, maybe not daily for all of them, but on a very regular basis, that part of my day is going to be committed to moving us closer and making progress in that important work. So if you don't, if, if you're not thinking in terms of how I turn that really important work into process oriented commitment kind of work day in and day out, it's just really difficult to make any progress there. And, and, and again, you, you never get there if if the most urgent always wins so some of that for us for his principles some of that is um is 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 maybe retraining our professional environment you know who comes into your office and when uh, I, i'm a big open door policy guy but here's the thing if the door is always open and you never keep an appointment with yourself to work on the important which which i would argue is the reason that all these great principles were hired they weren't hired uh, to do the other stuff. They were really hired to do the important work. Um, how do we do more of that? Obviously, Will, with the understanding that, you know what, the urgent's also part of the principalship. And if you think you're getting away from the urgent, you're in the wrong field. Um, but I want to be intentional with my time. I want to let my calendar reflect my priorities, not let my priorities be dictated by my calendar. And uh, and I and I and I need to find ways to stick to it. Otherwise, again, you this is a cruise control. If we set this cruise control, what's going to happen is the urgent's going to carry the day every day. And um and and we don't want to do that. We want to we want to spend more time in the important circle. Well, we could get into the nitty-gritties on this, Scott, and it's hard, I think, um explaining this by words only. So I'm actually going to put this in our show notes. So principal managers listeners, when you listen to this episode, if you want to go back to episode 340, prioritizing your work with Dr. Scott Beck, I'm going to put in there a slide that he shared with me that's titled Organize or Agonize, Prioritizing Your Work. And I know, Scott, you pulled this from John Maxwell's content, but it's so helpful because there's four categories. Category one is high importance slash high urgency. These are things you have to tackle first. The second category is high importance, low urgency. So these are things you can set deadlines on, but they have to be important, prioritized because they're important. The third category is low importance, high urgency. This is where you need to find a quick solution to something, but if possible, maybe you can delegate it to someone else. And then the last area, low importance, low urgency. These are the things that really you need to save for later. And sometimes you can put them on that list and maybe not get to them till summer. Um, but it was, it's, I love, and I've seen you present um, about time management, Scott, and do, I've seen you talk about this in other contexts and I've seen you practice this kind of leadership too. So principal managers, listeners, I want you to be able to reach back and look at this post for some feedback on those priorities. Scott, I want to ask you a, a wrap up question. Anything you want to add to that before I do? No, no, I know. I think you got it. I just want to make sure. Yeah, definitely will make sure we give all the credit to John Maxwell. <laughs> hey, but I'll tell you, you know, we'll say to everybody, we talk process. You, your your growth, I'm gonna, I'm gonna argue that your growth is is the absolute greatest process, most important work that you're gonna do. Um, and and it, and it is amazing. All those reminders that we all thought we knew, it's amazing how you continually uh encounter those when when you are on a regular basis. Um 
reading and, and, and absorbing just like your listeners are doing. Obviously they wouldn't be listening to you if they weren't doing that. Well, Scott, you have your teaching degree, your degree in leadership. You have a doctorate in, you're actually working on another degree. I, I don't think you ever stop. And so what's next for you and, and what's some parting words of, of wisdom that you want to share with listeners and then how can they stay connected with you? Yeah, so uh, I am. Uh, I, I yeah, I am. I, I told you earlier about the Institute for the Study of Human Flourishing, Dr. Snow. Uh, this was an inroad um, from her work. It's through the University of Birmingham in the UK, actually, and it is a, a master's degree in character education. So that virtue, virtue cultivation, all of those kind of rich things, it's really spoke to me. So I've been working on that. I'll get to finish all of that uh, this year. Um, so really getting to do a deep dive into some servant leadership stuff, which I've just learned so much and, uh, it's been humbling and, and really cool. Uh, so, so continuing to work on that. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in terms of, in terms of staying in touch with me, well, man, I wish I had a great answer for that. You know, I haven't been on social media. I, I know this is like, I, I'm, I'm going there, but I'm like saying it. I probably, I, I haven't, I haven't been on a lot. I do have Twitter, uh, you know, do, still do have my Twitter account. I'm, I'm not on there a lot. I, you may have a better answer, but I think the best way, man, the best way would probably be to get in contact with you and then they can get in contact with me. Well, and I know you're on LinkedIn, Scott. So I know a lot of yeah, leaders can find you true. there as well. Yeah. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I just want to encourage you to take an opportunity, if you haven't already, to hit rewind on parts of this conversation with Dr. Scott Beck, because Scott, one of the, my favorite parts of doing this podcast is when I get to listen back there's so many golden nuggets when I talk to you and I can't wait for not only for to share this out with listeners, but also for my own benefit as I listen back to just think about the qualities and, and takeaways that you share in every conversation I have with you. Principal Matters listeners, if you want to reach out to Scott, check the show notes and I'll put his contact information there and a link to his LinkedIn page. But until next time, Thank you, Scott, for doing what matters. And thank you, Principal Matters listeners, for what you do every day, because what you do matters. And we'll see you next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about leadership academies, mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today. And thanks again for doing what matters.